Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It feels good to say that. Finally, we're on the other side of Lent. Thanks be to God. And as hard as it might have been for us following our Lord, His passion, following Him to the cross, imagine what it was like for Christ's first disciples that Holy Week, that first Holy Week, right? A series of brutal and difficult events spirals down until it seems like all hope is lost and God's promises have reached a dead end until that first Easter Sunday and Jesus appears alive just as He said. And that good news that comes to that First Easter Sunday group of disciples comes to his disciples today as well. And during the season of Lent, we've been looking at promised treasures. And so these are things uh, we know God communicates to us through his word. But we're also looking at tangible objects that we see in the Bible throughout history. Things like ashes or salt or bread or water, light and wood, all things that sort of point to what Jesus did for you and for me. And today we'll be talking about milk and honey. Sounds pretty good right now. I hope you ate breakfast. If you didn't, we're, i got to plug the youth too, so have some breakfast. Milk and honey sounds good. So when Israel longed for the promised land, it was called the land of milk and honey because it was a land that was plentiful, that was flowing with those things that are needed to sustain the body and life, good things, plentiful things. And when we think of feast, right, feasting, we uh, notice that the, in the Bible, people often gathered for feasts in the church, things like Passover and Pentecost, festival booths, all kinds of different feasts. And thousands of years later, we do the same thing. You probably have a feast uh, ready today for your family in terms of Easter. We celebrate Christmas, Easter, maybe Pentecost, other things like that. And today on the Feast of Feasts, of course, we celebrate Jesus conquering sin, death, and the power of the grave for you and for me. And so what? Well, through all of that, he promises us a ultimate prize, an eternal inheritance in a new heavens and a new earth. So we talk about the promised land, a promised land to be sure, but really what we're talking about in terms of, of God's fullness And God's realizing His promises is a restored world. A new heavens and a new earth. A restored world. That is the full joy of Easter and God's victory in Christ. Where really the entire creation then is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's interesting because in the early church, the first time that the baptized uh, and then the newly instructed, right? So you're baptized and then you're newly instructed, ate and drank the Lord's Supper Right before they received the body and blood of the Lord, they were given a cup of water mixed with, take a guess, milk and honey, milk and honey. And this was a reminder, a physical reminder that every time that we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are partaking of an eternal feast of the promised land of the new heavens and new earth, the restored world. And really, we don't have to wait for it. Every Sunday is a celebration of Easter. Every single Sunday is a celebration of Easter. 
So being in worship is a really big deal, not only in Easter, but throughout the year, because every Sunday is that celebration. And if you want to kind of think about what Sunday is like, it's really the way that we should think about it is the wandering prodigal son. Remember that? He takes his inheritance and kind of takes off and squanders it. And then he returns to his waiting father. And the father doesn't wait for the son to to even get there. He runs out to meet him, uh, hugs him, restores him, and has a feast prepared. It's like that for us every time that we come to receive God's gifts. And ultimately, it points to the prophet Isaiah to that everlasting feast in the Old Testament. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine in Isaiah 25. An eternal feast that we will all partake of someday. And you are invited today for a foretaste of that. That's, that's really great. A foretaste of that land of milk and honey. Because someone opened the door for you. Someone invited you. And that is Jesus Himself. Take, eat, this is my body. Take, drink, this is my blood for the forgiveness of sins. This is Jesus Christ, your crucified and risen Lord, who is no longer dead, but risen and victorious and ruling and reigning through the means of grace and through His church. Heaven is not so far away that we cannot taste it. When someone confesses that they believe in Jesus Christ, they have passed over, crossed over from death to life already. John 5. And we might say you're never closer to your loved ones who are in heaven than when we gather around the table to have Christ's supper. Because again, we've crossed over from death into life. We know that when Israel crossed over the Red Sea, they were freed from death and slavery in Egypt. And they crossed over the Jordan. They entered the promised land of milk and honey. That is what we're doing today. We are receiving that feast ahead of time. So don't miss out on the sweetness of this joyous day. The celebration, the pomp, the circumstance. Because whenever you enter this sanctuary as a baptized child of Christ with faith, you have crossed out of death and into life because Jesus has conquered sin and death for you and has given you that promise of the promised land of milk and honey. Now I know each and every one of you have had your share of death, pain, sin, disappointment outside of these walls. You have trials and anxieties. But all those pale in comparison to what the new heavens and the new earth will be, right? So momentary afflictions are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed in us. We will enter into, I, I don't think we can, we can fathom it. An existence that's perfectly, per, that's perfect and peaceful and harmonious where we live with God and one another, all of creation, and it never ends. And I know right now we have to live with a lot of frailties, frailties of our flesh, frailties of our age. We get tired, we get disillusioned, right? We face illness, we face death. We live with broken, strained relationships many times that are frustrating to us. We, li- we live in grief because of a loved one who's, who's not with us um, by sight anymore. We live with job loss or maybe our education plans go awry. Whatever. We worry daily about family, right? Work, all kinds of things. And as a result, all of us long for rest while some of these troubles kind of seem to uh, remain out of our control. 
right? And we think, God, what are you doing? Sometimes life feels long and it's easy to grow impatient. It's easy to sort of say, you know what? It's easy to get disillusioned. When God told Moses through the burning bush that he would lead God's people out of slavery into the land of milk and honey, Israel uh, was, of course, excited about the prospect. But if you remember, um, God told them to enter, and they said, uh, well, there's people in there, we're not going to. Right? So they could have entered. They were sinful and rebellious. They doubted God's promises, right? They saw only obstacles. See the problem? They saw only obstacles. They had God's promise, but all they saw were the obstacles. And some fell away from faith altogether. Sometimes life feels long. It's easy to grow impatient and disillusioned. And so we have to ask the question, where can we find true rest, hope, and assurance for our woes, for, for all that we deal with in this veil of sorrows? And the answer is where Jesus has promised to offer it to you. And that is at word and sacrament, right? Do I want to sit in rebellion? Do I want to continue to doubt God's promise? Of course not. Do I want to remove myself where God has invited me uh, that I will be there for you to strengthen you and forgive you? Of course not. The one thing that is truly needed is Jesus, the bread of life. He can feed your hungry soul in the wilderness as you await entering into that promised land of milk and honey. Again, we, we recognize that God provided miraculously and wondrously for His people in the wilderness and He does the same thing for you today, right? But just like Israel, oh, manna, we're tired of this, right? We can grow tired of our sustenance as well. But our word and sacrament truly does provide for you and for me a foretaste of the feast of heaven, that land of milk and honey. They are true food and true sustenance for you and for me. They carry us through the journey here to the other side when either we behold Jesus at our death or at His coming. And there we will realize that He always keeps His promise. Again, I'm not sure what kind of feast you're having today. I'm not sure what dishes you've got prepared, right? Hopefully you're not worrying about it right now. I'm not sure who's going to be taking part. But those times are great. They, they're great and precious. They are great that God gives us that time with family, isn't it? It's really good. I know some people were saying, oh, I haven't seen this family member in several years and it'd be so great to see them. But imagine, <laughs> imagine the feast that we will all partake as as forgiven children of God, where it really is a family reunion. All those who have come before, all those who, who will come after. Truly where you will lack for nothing. Nothing. Even now, we have that promise. The ultimate victory is won. God offers you something here that is far better than what the world offers. And here we receive the fruit of the promised land ahead of time. We will eat from heaven's table and continue to do so. For the foretaste of the incredible unending feast to come until we enter that land of milk and honey forever. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.